Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Post extra time. I'm your host Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Jared. How are we? Good, thank you. How are you? Grand. Thank you very much. I got Jesse. 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 Hola. Hola. Dos cerveza, por favor. Oh, you know what? I figured I'd tag in for Emma and give you the chance to do that. <laughs> Excellent. Uno estente. Uh, and finally, we've got uh, Housewife's favorite Andy. How are you? Housewife. <laughs> I'm not even housewife's favourite in my own house, but thank you. Um, uh, I'm very well, thank you. The Pat Mustard of uh, podcasting. <laughs> uh, right, okay, this week we're going to talk about um, international, or a couple of international games, not loads of them. Uh, we've got bits and bobs of news, we've got um, leagues returning around uh, Europe and domestically as well in the UK. So first of all, we're going to start off with England 3, Germany 3. That was on Monday night. Uh, Germany went 2-0 up. I think all these goals were in the second half. Germany went 2-0 up. Uh, and then England uh, not only drew level, but pulled in the lead for a Kai Havertz um, goal, sort of three or four minutes for time. Um, drew level for already, or for Germany against already relegated England. Uh, Maguire and Shaw in. Shaw scored. Um no Tamori, Ivan Tony, or Trent. Now, Jared, you saw this, didn't you? Yeah. What yeah. did you uh, think to this? I mean, you, you of course have got split loyalties on this one, haven't you? No, just just Germany. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. If really? honest, this is the one team I want to be. Oh, really? So, uh, Tina, look, you must have been a very happy uh, boy. I was, I was singing and dancing, and then went through three two down. I, Really smashed some stuff in the house. Really? You were slapping your later hose in it tuna look me. Yeah, and I was like, I can't go back home. Stuff like that. <laughs> uh, go back home, you had already smashed all the stuff. Yeah, well, this was in Wales, and they don't. They want England to oh, lose they don't as well. Care about stuff. Okay, sorry, I was just following the narrative there. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few nervous sheep when uh, England took the lead. Um, Say, so what did you make to the game then? I thought both teams want like were close to scoring in the first half, and I just sort of felt both of them weren't willing to push as many players forward mm. in the first half. And then I think second half it was more of a yeah, well we we got nothing to lose, we might as well go because I think both teams were trying to act as if it was a World Cup match at the start, going serious, seeing what they could, what their systems would be like. Um, sort of pairing up against each other and then second half I think it was more of a let's just go try and get some goals and see what happens make a show I guess mm. um, 
Germany did well to, to open the scoring. Um, penalty from Gundogan could finish. And then Kai Havertz, just a, a, a decent goal from him. And then England, England then, it looked as if they weren't going to ever come back into it and Germany just going to hold out. And then England came back together when you thought, actually, this looks like a dismal performance then. Turned it around pretty quick. And you, at that point, as soon as the, the third goal went in, I didn't think... Germany are going to get another one back, but Pope sort of fumbled a shot oh, straight yes. to Havertz, and um, it, then then it was sort of just tied at then. Yes, oh, sorry, I, I was trying to figure out which way round the Havertz goal was worse. So his screamer from the outside the area that was uh, that was his first one, was it? Yeah, that that one was completely unsavable. Like you know, that was really bad defending. I mean, he sort of could have stopped and sat in a deck chair and. All sorts, couldn't he? Before he was closed down. Yeah, but I mean, to even with that much time to get it in off the post as well. Yes, I think it was. Or it's just no matter who's in goal there, and then Pope doesn't help himself with the, the third goal. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Andy, if you're um, Ivan Tony or Fakaya Tamori, are you sort of thinking what have I done with my last two weeks? Uh more so Tomori than than Tony, I would have said. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very surprised that Tony didn't play either game. But Tomori, to me, given the continued poor form of Harry Maguire, must be wondering what he's done wrong. Because to me, that's the obvious change here. Tomori's come off a, a pretty sensational season as as part of. Milan's title winning back four um, Harry Maguire continues and continued in this game to, to show that he is if nothing else woefully short of confidence if not talent um, so yeah look, uh, Ivan Tony, it still feels to me like his time might come because mm. I think when you look at what uh, England have available up front once you get away from, from Harry Kane, it feels like it's a bit of free-for-all in there and Tony will fancy his chances if he continues to play well over the next few uh, few weeks of being on the, the plane, I would have thought. But yeah, Tomori must be wondering if he's done something to piss Southgate off because he should have played. I mean, he definitely should have played against Italy. That's his home stadium against players he knows really well because he plays against most of them week in, week out. I found it bizarre he didn't play in that game. I think this is this points to a continued uh, problem with South, the second half of Southgate's run as, as England manager is that he is uh, committed to a fault or loyal to a fault, more to the point, to, to players that he feels contributed uh, to England's two semi-final runs. Mm. When in actual fact, in the cold light of day, I think if you look at those two runs to the semi-finals, England didn't have to play a huge amount of really good teams in either of those runs. Um, and so this was the time for him to try and test other people because... I mean, the other problem is as well, Maguire's not the quickest, and you're going over to Qatar where you're looking at temperatures between 35 and 40 degrees during the day. I can't imagine he's going to be like the fittest or, or the quickest or anything. Tomori is younger, he's quicker, 
he's got more stamina. To me, feels like a, a natural option there. So, yeah, I think the games this week produced as many questions as they did answers for England. I think, if not, if not more. Yeah, Jesse, are you Southgate in or Southgate out? Um, I I feel like the Uruguayan in me feels like you give your managers time. Um, we gave ours. I mean, maybe too much. I don't know. He hasn't done anything egregious for me, and it seems like the players haven't lost faith in him, and that's like the key. Like and, until we see players really, you know, pulling a a Dominic and going nuts, then there's no reason not to let him see through this World Cup at least. Mm. Um, did anyone see the article this week? I think it was by um, Michael Cox um, on The Athletic about England, if they were going to get rid of Southgate, should appoint Sabrina Weigman uh, from the ladies' team as their next men's manager. I, 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 I didn't read the article itself, but I did see that as a, a headline. I, I, honestly, I don't see why not. She's She's got <laughs> as much experience as anyone who would be a contender for that job of... of international tournament play and getting far into those tournaments so uh, to me she's a, she's as good a choice as any I've seen some real left wing choices like Bielsa I think I saw as a, a, a suggestion this week and could that work for a tournament yes would that work long term I, I don't think so mm. um, so yeah I mean I, I agree with Jesse, I don't think they'll get rid of Southgate, certainly not at this point. If I'm England's opponents in the World Cup, I'm praying they don't. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I think so, because um, to me, the real England was the England that was 2-0 down in that game. And it was only when they get spurred into that position that they actually that Southgate kind of took the training wheels off, so to speak, and you know allowed them to go out and actually play some attack football. I don't think he'll do that for the start of any game against any opposition mm. and it, it feels to me like teams will feel they've got a, a chance against England Alright, Jared, you're a German fan born and raised in uh, the centre of England I mean um, do you think that Southgate should stay? That's quite a dig actually I feel quite bad about that, sorry Nah, it's, it's alright <laughs> when you get knocked out of the group stage <laughs> um, Actually, I can't really talk we've been knocked out twice Yeah, you have, haven't you? In a group with South Korea as well, um, but yes, um, I think if you keep him, I think the play. I, th- I think you've got to keep him for this campaign coming up from a, an England perspective because anyone you bring in, I don't think they'll have enough time to make the team how they want it and mm. get the players to gel. And he, he's done well in the past couple of tournaments. You, you never know; he might might do something crazy but I, I can't see him moving away from the side that he's got faith in as, as we've already mentioned Maguire hasn't been playing well but I think he sort of feels obliged because he the semi-final team he's got to play um, but I think and then again if if they did change him I don't know how much someone would change the whole team because you've got the key characters in there mm. who have already done quite well in the World Cup. Fair enough. Right, let's hop over beyond um, 
Berwick on Tweed and we'll end up in Scotland uh, as they drew nil-nil with the Ukraine. I've got to be honest, I started watching the highlights of this, Andy, um, and I, it was only when I was halfway through that I realised I was watching the highlights from the 2-0 win or whatever it was uh, three months ago. So Craig Gordon had a really good game. It was just not in the game I was watching. So um, what did you make of, uh, of this? Though? This was nil-nil, wasn't it? Yeah, so I mean, it, it came at the end of a, a pretty challenging week for Scotland. I mean, three matches in, in seven, eight days, I think it was, and and uh, against good or re- relatively good opposition. It started off very well with the the three 0 win at Hamden, and as probably as well as I've seen Scotland play in in years at this point. Um, very different game against Ireland, fell behind obviously, but it was a, a good calm performance, you know, we didn't panic going 1-0 down and then the third game, as you said, the Ukraine, uh, 0-0 is a excellent result given how many players by that point Scotland had, had lost obviously Kieran Tierney uh, didn't make it through injury we basically lost, it was like some kind of fullback Armageddon Mm-hmm. over the, the, the last week where I think we lost three of our, what you would consider best four. Is Andy Robertson um, okay? Uh, Andy Robertson, I don't think, played in any any of these. Okay. Did he? I'm, I'm not sure, sure actually. I would, need, I would need to check. But, um, yeah, McTominay, who was outstanding in the first game against Ukraine, probably the best I've ever seen Scott McTominay play for, for Scotland or Man United. Um, and then... He was out for the Ukraine game as well. So it was a real backs-to-the-wall effort with what was essentially half a, half of what our ideal starting eleven would be. So, yeah, I mean, full credit. Craig Gordon was, was outstanding. He continues. Scotland's getting a really good habit of producing goalkeepers who continue to perform at a high level into their, the later stages of their career. Obviously, Alan McGregor's been outstanding for four or five years in his late 30s. Craig Gordon, much the same, 39, and produced a number of good saves in this one. So, yeah, it's, it's just nice to be able to speak positively about Scotland as a, as a national team for the first time in a while. Um, Steve Clark, who I've, I've been critical of in the past, has, has got most of the big decisions right in the last few months. So, yeah, fair play to him. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's a surprisingly good time to be a Scotland fan. Oh, good. Well, Jesse, you can share in that um, that sort of bonhomie of happiness, can't you? Because you're a Guaygun. I thought you were going to say because I am Scottish. You are Scottish. Jesse McLeish. Yep. Um, Can you say this in the style of your Scottish ancestors? I can't because I I could, but I don't want to upset... (laughs) <laughs> Andy and I feel like at one point during this podcast, one of us is going to do a Scottish accent, and it's not going to be me. Oh come on! We all know it's going. We know it's going to be Chris. <laughs> yeah, it can it possibly be more offensive than this? <laughs> Go on, Jesse, do it. So, I will not. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. So I'll just do an about face and say that yes, Uruguay won. We won a absolutely useless match and like in all international breaks one of our most important players was injured and will miss the world cup but we got to say that we won so who did you beat and who's injured missing the world cup araujo is injured um he was injured in the like half a split second 
that he played against Iran. Um, he's going to miss the classical. <gasps> oh, that one. Yes, I know. It affects you too. Oh, okay. Um, he had a he had surgery a couple days ago on his like lateral adductor muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what was good for us is um, Diego Alonso played. You know, got to rotate a lot of different players in. Georgian Diarqueta played. Who are um, you playing? Also. Sorry, you played Iran and who else did you play? Sorry, just for people listening. Canada. Canada. Okay. Canada. Sorry, go on, Karen. Um, uh, Canobio played. So we, you know, I think where we've lacked depth across the bench before, we're really seeing not only that we have players, but we also have players who can play in different um, rotations. And that's really. Um, positive if you are for some reason somebody who had massive anxiety about that <laughs> fair enough uh, so Araujo to me big miss for Uruguay that might be the difference between um, sort of finishing in the sort of group stages and finishing in the last 16 it is such a, and I'm I'm actually like as a as a person I'm really impressed that he decided to have the surgery <clears> now <throat> apparently he had a choice between playing through it, putting it off, and having the surgery later, but that could have totally messed up his knee and his career. Okay. So I think good for him for, for you know, doing the right thing for his future. Um, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you've got Efetista bragging rights as you won the unusual efforts derby against uh, Sonia's Canada there. Thank you so much. I'm sorry, Sonia, if you're listening, um, you know, we'll always have the Toronto, New York derby that you will win. <laughs> and then the United States, how did they get on the men's national team? Ah, oh, they're so terrible, you guys. You this should. It's so exciting to me. Why is it good to you that they're not very good? Oh, I know we've talked about this before. Sharks don't deserve anything. <laughs> they're not nice people. Is that why? They're just, you know what, they don't, they haven't put the work in. They, I feel like, and I'm probably wrong, and if Justin were here, he would do that thing that Justin does where he's perfectly reasonable and takes <laughs> your arguments apart, and it's so aggravating because he's right, but he's not here, so I just get to make all the emotional invalid points, and here we go. The United States fandom is the problem because they just decide that like because they have this team and the team has money and infrastructure they are deserving of all good things mm -hmm. and that's not how it works so whenever they lose and all their fans have like collective tantrums just a little bit like schadenfreude-esque oh okay well fair enough uh, the, la the ladies are playing England next Friday week today yeah so... that's gonna be fun yeah, I'll be in the same sort of country as Alex Morgan, so I better get my deodorant on. Is that our man on the post, Darby? It could be, couldn't it? Okay. Yeah, if you bump into her, tell her I've been working out, won't you? She actually did a promo around here in a coffee shop, so I might run into her and I will let her know. Oh, good. Thank you very and much. And she'll say, say hi to Charlotte. I heard she's great. And I'll be like, we'll do. I lost you there. Sorry, you broke up. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so uh, bits and bobs of news. Uh, Andy, uh, Rangers legend Shoch Avalanti has just been fired from um, the Hull. 
They're, he got to 19th place last season after he was appointed in January. Just three wins from 10 games. I mean, Hull at this point feels like one of those poison chalices whoever steps in. That that, that does feel like the literal, you know, the, the, the old Jose Mourinho can even turn that team around. That's kind of how Hull feel at this point. So a little bit of sympathy for, for Shota. The, the impression I get is that he is generally well regarded as a coach. Um, but again, it's it's Hull, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, you're a Coventry fan, aren't you? So have you seen much of Hull this season? Um, not really, because you can't watch any of the the games. Um, but we did we did lose to them, but that's not it's not it's not that difficult to beat us at the moment. Oh, how's it going for you guys at the moment? So you weren't allowed to play. You had your first few games postponed, didn't you? Yeah, because because of our stadium, they were hosting um, Commonwealth Games on it, Rugby Sevens. Because we we share it with with wasps, and then the game the ground wasn't good enough to play on, so we had to play um, somewhere else. Can't, can't exactly remember where we played, and then we were able to come back, but we had like no form, struggling. We've had quite a tough run since then. Mm. We we've had two draws, but we just we desperately need a win. With well, we we played seven games three behind most of the other teams in the league and we're only on three points oh. um, seven seven points is what 23rds on with Huddersfield so it's not it's not looking too good not too good no okay um, and you mentioned before recording that um, Premier League Manager and Player of the Month has been announced so who who's won those so Ten Hag uh, won Player of the Month and Marcus Rashford won uh, Player of the Month Okay. Player of the month twice. I think you did. We know yeah, what you mean. Don't I did win Player of the month. Yeah. We know what you mean. Uh, does it count this month? Because, like you said, there's only been two games. I'm surprised Harland hasn't won. That's true. If this month ever Marcus Rashford, which is just mind-boggling considering how many goals he scored in Marcus Rashford. I don't know if he just scored two against Arsenal, or maybe even one. He scored one against Liverpool. I've got a feeling that was in August. Might have, might have been, uh, um, yeah. Simply the two good. games, the two games have been Leicester one 0 win and three on win over Arsenal in September. Mm-hmm. Sympathy vote. Yeah, it does feel a bit like, well, they weren't playing well and he's turned them around. Yeah. Um, Andy, Kyle Lafferty's been in the news. Have you seen why? I have not. I'm assuming it's for some terrible reason because well, yes. that tends to be what happens when Kyle Lafferty is in <laughs> the news for non-footballing reasons uh, if I told you he's, he's facing a 10 game ban for uh, being involved in well I kind of feel a little bit sorry for him he was in a TikTok video so someone came up to a nightclub and said can I have a photo with you and he said yeah sure uh, and as he's posing for this sort of photo the lad he's posing with said up the Celts um, which in your murky world of sectarianism up north of the border, I think that's not the nicest of things to say. Is that right? Uh, I mean, there are worse things I could have said. I, 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 that will definitely have pissed off some people. But yes, there are far worse things that could have been said. Yes. Uh, Kim Wanaka said that Kyle regrets his actions and he's let the club down. Although, I feel, like I say, I feel quite bad because it wasn't actually him that said anything. But I suppose if you put yourself in that situation. 
Mm. Yeah, that seems harsh. Yes. Ten games as well <laughs> for something somebody Ten, else said. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> considering some of the things we've seen people get fewer game bans for, yeah. um, or in some cases not banned at all when they probably should be, mm. uh, yeah, that seems very harsh. Yes. Fair enough. Right. Uh, and Jesse, West Brom ladies have decided with immediate effect to wear navy blue shorts instead of white ones due to uh, issues over menstruation. Captain um, Hannah George said, quote, unquote, this change will help us focus on performance uh, without added concern or anxiety. I've got to admit, when I started reading the article, I didn't really understand why until it started explaining. So it's the sort of thing that doesn't cross my mind very often because obviously I've never sort of menstruated myself but how big a thing is this in the world of um women's football and women feeling confident about themselves to be able to sort of play with that sort of with that worry off their mind i love that you asked this question and are letting me talk about this this is great um <laughs> it's huge i do i can't even imagine how, like the the added anxiety of being on television and in front of fans while this is happening but mm. just like being a human menstruating person walking around in the world and having to think about like being in front of anyone is already something where you feel like you know you might be caught out in front of strangers or people you know or like the subway or the tube for you guys um it just adds so much anxiety and, and like having to wear i mean there's a whole inside world of women who talk about wearing white but not wearing white the week of your period and having to wear white is like a punishment from the terrible gods of menstruation and then having to do that in front of people is even worse. <laughs> it's like it should be the simplest thing. And the fact that um, it took this long is kind of silly, but it shows you that, like you said, um, people, you know, the people in charge just don't, are not the people who are feeling the effects. So, no. Okay. No, sorry, I was just going to say this This happened earlier. I, th I think maybe I got it from uh, also as well. There was a cricket ladies' cricket team earlier on this year who said that they no longer want to play because all cricket is played in, or sort of longer than one day games is played in with the teams wearing white. And of course, the ladies' teams, some of them are pushing back against that now. Uh, and they're meeting some resistance both on social media, I think, and also um, within sort of the hierarchy of, uh, of various sort of different sporting bodies. So... These sort of things, I guess, are, they're a good to example. I would say, if you have an issue with it, like, pop on a pair of white, white bike shorts, <laughs> take a little spray bottle of, like, red food coloring, spray that on, like, the entire crotch area, and have a little walk around your neighborhood, come back, and then tell those ladies how they should feel. Well, yes, exactly. I guess this is a thing at Wimbledon as well, because the ladies play in white there, don't they? Yeah. Um, I've got to admit, it's not something I've ever thought about. But I can imagine this is a hugely, a huge weight off of a lot of uh, these West Brom players' minds. So, oh good. Uh, and also, have you seen the Brazilian elections coming up? Um, and 
uh, Neymar has come out in support of one of the candidates. Yeah, this is not new. I mean, Neymar did this. So the last time, the first time Bolsonaro run, ran, hmm. um, was sort of like when um, we saw a lot of Brazilian players come come out in support of fascism. So give us a uh, give the listeners a flavor of Bol- who Bolsonaro is and what sort of side of the spectrum he's leaning, sort of left or right. Uh, Bolsonaro is um, Bolson- I mean I, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that Bolsonaro is a fascist right wing um, dictator light president of Brazil um, he came up through Brazil's um, actual military dictatorship he campaigned on bringing torture and um, policing without impunity back. He made rape and murder jokes. You know, he's, he's like pretty straightforwardly awful. Um, in the past few weeks, we've seen Lucas Mora. Um, and I, I give Lucas Mora credit for, for like doubling and quadrupling the fuck down. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> on his support when he, you know, he came out in support of Bolsonaro and somebody asked him, you know, whether he knew what, what that stood for and, and whether he still supported or was willing to support his statement, knowing that Bolsonaro, you know, is a, is a very right wing, very homophobic, horrible person. And without blinking, Lucas Mora said, you know, I am, a strong supporter because of God, Jesus, the Bible, whatever, of marriage between a man and a woman and this horrible person. So at least if you're going to stand for what you stand for, you're straightforward about it, I guess, question mark. Um, And this week, Neymar, for the second time now, came out in support of him again. Um, There was a question the first time around about, like, you know, how much of the benefit of the doubt you give some players, their families are still in Brazil. Some of them are in the favelas. You know, if you think about maybe like they're fearing for their families who are having to live under Bolsonaro. But at this point, Neymar, you don't have to put out this statement of support. Like, if you're doing this, it's because you believe in him. I think this is actually after Neymar has done an anti-racism message this week as well. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on Richarlison's behalf. Yes. Great. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I think, but that, in, yeah, and this is my personal opinion, but I think that's where, like, privilege is so, um, gives you such blinders that you're able to sort of compartmentalize one thing from the other yeah you know i could support my friend and think that racism when it affects me and my people is terrible but i also don't see that electing a christo fascist is going to you know affect mostly impoverished black and brown people no fair and jared without giving away too many state secrets um you're sort of involved in the football community a little bit is does politics come up between players at all or does this sort of scenario come up between players this sort of conversations 
Um, I feel like it's something that's more avoided. Like maybe um, news might want to interview a player about a new a new thing and a new political thing, and usually they try and avoid it, or you choose a player who's the most confident to speak about it because you can't just plant it on one player who doesn't really want to to talk about it and Mm. usually not many none of the players do um and then but then there is stuff like if you name something after something some the fans may not like it or news articles may make it a negative thing then there's a lot that the club can do that they need to decide do we go down the political route or do we just stick to like if um the the player the the player as a footballer instead of the player outside of football hmm. and that's something that you, the club and the fans have to be careful of i mean have you heard players chatting this week about mortgages and the state of the pound or is that sort of not get chatted about um not really I, I haven't heard it with the players but it's definitely been going going around the club um obviously it, it might affect football and prices and stuff like that so um mm. and even even players i mean they they may struggle if they're then all the money's not to themselves or they didn't expect this to happen so yeah it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something everybody's got to think about yes i guess so uh right okay let's move on to uh europe landing bits of Sorry, you, like a rude, rude person. Sorry, say that again, Jesse. So, um, Jared, do the players are the players like um asked about what they want to talk about? Like um, you, said, you know, sometimes they don't want to talk about things, but if somebody is, you know, I don't know, passionate about like lemur rescuing or <laughs> biscuit baking, you know, like. Is that are they allowed to say like I don't I never want to talk about um, the Falkland Islands, but I really want to be interviewed about um, gluten free biscuits or something. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, I work in publicity, you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's more of a fact that the media team would probably go to the players, maybe the captains or the the leaders of the changing room, and go. We need to just have one person talk about this. Um, is there a player who's willing to, to speak about it, or, or if not, is there a player who's uh, one of the, usually one of the leaders who's able to put a, a, a good response out that is sort of politically sound, won't create too many headlines, and just sort of move on unless there's a player who's really passionate. But then I don't know whether if a player's playing well or sort of doesn't want to be in the limelight whether they would come out about it because the backlash you can get about it mm. the non-vegan ultras will be yeah, yeah. <laughs> be, they'll be after you <laughs> but yeah the vegan ultras are we are we're cray gotta stay away from us <laughs> yeah forest forest green rovers sort of thing <laughs> uh, right bits and bobs of uh, leagues around Europe so in uh, Espana uh, Real Madrid are top on 18 points and Barca on 16 Betis on 15 uh, Athletic Bilbao on 13 so um, Athletic are playing uh, Almeria uh, Mallorca are playing Barcelona uh, 
Madrid playing Osasuna, Osasuna in fifth. Um, the Santa Vigo play Betis. But Jesse, maybe the game of the weekend is Sevilla versus Atletico Madrid. <gasps> yes. That's fifteenth Sevilla versus seventh Atleti. No, it kind of surprising on both. I guess Atleti have more pressure on their shoulders. Yeah. Um, well, we we were sort of messaging each other during the Madrid derby, weren't we? And neither of us were particularly impressed with Atleti at all. No. No. Um, I know, I mean, Josema's going to be back. But no, I think um, you still, we still have that weird situation with Griezmann, you know, having to play like mm. whatever it is, 39 minutes. And he's taking it all out on his hair, obviously. And <laughs> <laughs> all black probably leaving um but it seems as it, like they're they're sort of where barcelona have been out the last couple of years where it seems as if they're in this transitional time where they just need to figure out which players are staying and which players are leaving because they're they are not playing like a cohesive team like none of these players seem like they are committed no. to being there right now um, in Italy, Napoli are top on 17 points, uh, ahead on goal difference of Atlanta, and Udinese a point behind, and then Lazio on 14 points. Uh, Napoli versus Torino, Atlanta versus Fiorentina, Hellas Verona versus Udinese, Lazio versus Spezia. Uh, but again, probably game of the weekend is away from that group. It's um, seventh versus sixth. There's interplay Roma. Uh, Andy, are you watching that one? Yeah, I might tune into that one, as, as I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. Inter have, have always been my my Italian team mm. from back when they used to show on Channel 4. Yeah. Uh, Roma are so inconsistent under Mourinho. You're never entirely sure what you're going to get from them. The has made a very good start. Tammy Abraham continues to be, uh, I think, a surprisingly good signing for Roma. But, yeah, are you would expect if they show up, uh, should win that one, but again, with, with Mourinho's Roma, you're never entirely sure. He was sent off, wasn't he, on the last round of games? Remember, he came onto the pitch. I don't know whether he'd be allowed on the dugout or not. I might do him a favour if he's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. Very true indeed. Yeah, no, that would be. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. I think it's um, it's not the Sunday late game. I think that's um, Saturday evening. That one. So, um, unfortunately, that's not the late one. Uh, what else have we got? So, Germany, Jared, we've got Union Berlin, top on 17 points, two ahead of Dortmund. I think it's Freiburg on 14, Hoffenheim on 13. Uh, Frankfurt versus Union, Freiburg versus Mainz, Kohn uh, versus Dortmund, and Hertha versus Hoffenheim. Um, any of those you're particularly looking forward to? Um, right now, Bayern are uh, uh, beating Leverkusen, which isn't a surprise, but it's just. The league is just crazy at the moment. You mm. don't know who's gonna who's gonna beat who. I mean, Bayern in the the last Bundesliga match day, I said they might trip up against Augsburg, and they did. It's just usually you'd expect the the better teams to be winning, and it's just you you can't predict who's gonna win at the moment. Anybody can beat anyone, and I guess it's always good to see a league like that because it makes every every match day uh, interesting. Yeah, long may it continue. Uh, and finally, in France, uh, PSG are on 22 points. Um, they're two ahead of Marseille, and then Lorient on 19 points. So Angers versus Marseille, PSV versus, oh, sorry, PSG versus Nice, uh, and then Lorient versus Lille. Elsewhere around the world in Turkey, it is uh, Besiktas versus Fenerbahce. 
in Chile, it's the Chilean Super Classico as Colo Colo, um, not Yaya Yaya, uh, are playing uh, Universidad Catalica. And also in the second division in Chile, Andy, it's uh, Copiapo versus Rangers. Uh, I, I, I don't like hearing the words Rangers and second division in the same sentence. <laughs> it just brings back way too many painful memories. <laughs> That's the same Rangers, isn't it? That's the new co-Rangers. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not having that. No, let's move on. Fair enough. Let's move on to the Premier League. Uh, right. Okay. Um, well, Andy reaches his arms through the laptop and sort of throttles me. Um, right. In the Premier League, twelve thirty on Saturday on BT Sports, the Pat Jennings Derby is Arsenal top of the league. Uh, play third place. Spurs, there's only a point difference between them. Arsenal on 18, Spurs on 17. So Spurs obviously win, they go above Arsenal. Um, both won four out of their last five. Spurs beat Leicester 6-2 last time. Arsenal beat Brentford 3-0. Um, Jesse, how are you feeling? Yeah. <laughs> Chest out, shoulders back. I mean, we're going to lose, which is fine. Are you? But like, yeah. But... I just don't think that this particular Arsenal team deserves nice things. Why's that? So, why is that? Hmm. No way that it's only to don't make me talk about rapists again. <gasps> Alleged, allegedly, allegedly. Oh, sorry. Sorry for when we get sued. <laughs> but yeah, as long as Bentancourt doesn't get hurt, I guess. You, you want to tippy tappy around the pitch for the next six weeks? Yeah, that's exactly what I want. And I don't <laughs> think that anybody should question my needs. No, but that's fair enough. That's entirely, um, <laughs> that's entirely reasonable. Um, Emil Smith Rowe is out for Arsenal. I think he's having a bit of surgery. Uh, a, last... bit, a bit of surgery. <laughs> a bit of surgery. <laughs> <laughs> It might only be local rather than a general anaesthetic. Just that sort of thing. Um, just, I'm thinking about him going in and just asking for a bit of surgery. Can I just have a bit? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Arsenal did very well, started very well. Um, I'm looking at their loss. They lost to uh, Manchester United, albeit at Old Trafford. So, you know, the teams they've beaten, they've beaten Aston Villa, Fulham, Bournemouth, Leicester um, and Brentford last time out. So the only time they've come up against anyone of any sort of decency... Um, it was Manchester United and they lost. I mean, that's got to stand you in good stead, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a, there is a question to make about whether Arsenal are doing so well because of their schedule. Mm. Um, but, and I think how much of, like, how much can they ride on the confidence of that too? Yeah. Uh, last year they sort of, you, you could see them keep crumbling because they didn't have any confidence and now they're riding high on that. So I think part of it is who cares how much of it is their schedule. If they, you know, if they feel great about it, it's going to work for them. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Andy and Jared, how do you feel about this game? Yeah, I, I, I'm maybe not quite as confident that Arsenal are going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes, they're your team, aren't they? Sorry, I forgot. Yes. Sorry. I, I also share Jesse's concerns about a certain member of the Arsenal team that was kind of what I was hinting at earlier on when I was talking about how harsh Kyle Lafferty's uh, suspension oh okay <laughs> but um yeah I mean 
I've seen people talk about Arsenal's schedule, which is which there is a point to that, but at the same time, those are also some of the teams that Arsenal have been losing to over the last two or three seasons. So and we've been winning those games and winning those games fairly comfortably and, and we had good amount of confidence. So my concern is the fact that again, I, I feel like when Arteta comes up against demonstrably better coaches which he's going to do this weekend how he's going to deal with that, that's why I don't necessarily have the confidence, I think Conte is is doing a pretty good job, I guess the one concern might be for Spurs is how much is Conte going to be unsettled by these rumours of him potentially uh, going back to Juventus to replace Allegri mm-hmm. I mean I know he's come out in fairly strong terms said it's disrespectful and that he's, he's not interested but it's also Antonio Conte and we know he, he, he's a wee bit um, up and down so um, Arsenal probably slight favourites for this one but Son coming back into form for, for Spurs I think is a huge deal Kane didn't do us any favours over the, the last week I don't think I don't think it looked brilliant so yeah it's a, it's a real it's a real 50-50 this one I think OK Jared I think this will be a, a good benchmark for both for both teams because this is gonna gonna see where they're where they're both at. I think a draw, if if it ends in a draw, I don't think we'll learn too much about them against the big teams and where they'll finish. Mm. Um, but in terms of who I think will win, I think I think it might be Arsenal just because I don't think um, they allowed all their players to go on international duty. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, they sent any players to the Brazil squad I think just because of the the fitness they might have and the energy I think that might just tip them for the win okay uh, we'll stay with you then as well so first of the three o'clock games is uh, Bournemouth versus Brentford in the Chris Methuen derby Bournemouth 12th on eight points um, Brentford uh, ninth place nine points um, how do you think this one's going to go Jared? Um, I think I think Brentford Mm. Will win. I'd, I always find it hard to tip, to not tip against Brentford when they're sort of facing teams below mid-table. Just they just seem the better of the bunch in yeah. that sort of area. So um, yeah, I'd say Brentford win this one. Fair enough. Uh, Andy Bournemouth are conceding an average of two point seven one goals a game. I guess that's skewed a little bit by the Liverpool result where they lost nine nil. But um, if I was to have a, an opinion, because I'm the host and I don't, I would go for Brentford. Yeah, I think a goal for Brentford. Brentford are again, I think, going to have a very solid season. Bournemouth maybe buoyed by the forthcoming takeover, which I think is in its final stages. Yeah. Um, potentially gives them a chance to do some business in January and maybe pull themselves away from from that part of the the table. But yeah, at this stage, it, it's difficult to see by Brentford. Yeah, Jesse. Getting where my unmute button is. Yeah, I also I agree. I think Brentford are have really proven themselves capable, and they're just so fun to watch. Yeah. Okay. Um, three o'clock then. Crystal Palace versus uh, Chelsea. The Ray Wilkins derby. Graham Potter's league debut, I think, um, because I know he's had a game, but I thought that was in the Champions League. Uh, Crystal Palace haven't won since they beat Aston Villa on the thirtieth of August. They drew nil nil with Newcastle last time. Um, Chelsea beat West Ham 2-1 last time out. Andy, what do you reckon to this one? 
Uh, I, I, I think Potter is a very good signing for Chelsea. My concern would be the fact that he's still not had a huge amount of time with the team at this point. Obviously, certain members of the team, but international break will have will have kind of disrupted that a bit. Palace, as you said, aren't in the greatest of form, but uh, I'll probably go a draw on this one just because I think Palace uh, playing at home might just have enough. Okay, Jesse. Sorry, Jesse. I, <laughs> I like that Andy kept going and it sounded like I was him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a Friday. Um, nope, you've lost me. Trying to thought. Keep going. Go, go, Crystal. Jared. Oh, Jared. I tell you what, Jared, I'll come to you because uh, in the news today, it's saying that Christoph Nkunku uh, has already had a medical at Chelsea. Um, he's got a release clause of £52.8 million. And they're on about the fact that he could be arriving next summer. They want to get ahead of the, uh, everybody else in the queue because he's going to be quite sought after. What, what sort of play would Chelsea be getting for him? So he's quite he's quite a fast player up front. He's very agile. Sort of, I think he's, he's, he's a good sort of not an out-and-out striker, but you, he's very versatile along uh, at the front line. Sort of, sort of like how Arsenal are using Jesus at the moment. Hmm. He can sort of play wide or probably as a, as a false nine. Um, I th- he's, he's a bit different to what Chelsea have had recently. And I think, you know, if you mixed Werner and sort of your Mason Mount or a, and a decent goal scorer together, that's probably what Nkunku would be. Okay. So I think... I think a lot of clubs. I'm surprised he has, he didn't go this summer. Actually, I was as well. Actually, um, and I th- if if they do secure him, then that's going to be a great pull for next season. And obviously, that that might be someone that Potter already had his eye on before before joining the club. Yeah, I want to reckon about this game tomorrow. Then? I think I think Chelsea Chelsea will win this one. Just although Crystal Palace are, are a decent side, I just I think Potter now he's had a bit of time. He sh- he should be able to get this this squad to to get a win, and I think this could be um, maybe the start of a, a run for him. Okay, uh, three o'clock, Fulham versus Newcastle uh, in the Damien Duff Derby. Fulham are sixth uh, with eleven points. Newcastle are tenth with eight points. Newcastle have drawn four out of five. Um, they won just one game all season, and the average one point one four goals a game, which isn't a huge amount. Um, that might change with the signing of uh, of Isaac, of course. But uh, Jesse, do you think Eddie Howe is under any pressure at all? No, no, um, because he's sort of in that middling, like no one really has to pay attention to him yet. Spot. Do you not think, um, given their owners, he's under a bit more of a microscope than the other teams in the middle? or you think you're just going to keep throwing money and players at him? Well, they don't seem to have done that so far. I mean, well, I guess they have a little bit, haven't they? But it's not like Man City when they got taken over. Sort of, they haven't splurged it like that. But I was just wondering how patient the owners will be. I mean, he's their first manager, uh, so manager. So I don't know how much time he's going to get. What do they expect? I mean, do they really expect him to take them? Like, is they expecting him to win the league, or are they expecting? champion like what what could possibly be their expectations yeah i'm just trying to see how many games they played so bear with me on second so they played seven games one win um i mean it's not great is it not great no you're right you're right i was sort of thinking like they're in the middle that's not bad but um <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I guess he is probably feeling the pressure, and I'm hopefully his players aren't. But um, I also, you know, this is it's it's a really stupid year because this schedule is. You would hope that everybody would factor in the schedule and mm. think that like these players are just playing so much and so often and not cohesively, and give them that sort of benefit. But you know they're not. No, um, not at all. This is this is, this is <laughs> so, right. Football, there probably is pressure on him than there should be. Yes, and um, Andy, do you think he's under pressure? Is he going to get a an invite to the um, Saudi embassy in Istanbul anytime soon? Uh, yeah, bizarrely, I don't feel like he is under pressure. He, I, I, I'm sure that he, the players, and the the board would like them to be higher up the table. But I mean, it is still very early in the season. As Jesse says, it's just a very bizarre season all round, given the timing of the the World Cup and so on. Um. They're certainly saying the right things in terms of being patient with this project. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't see how anyone who can turn Joe Linton into a functional Premier League football player can possibly be considered anything other than uh, an excellent coach. No, fair enough. Jared, what do you reckon to this game? Fulham have won three out of their last five. They beat Forest 3-2 last time. Yeah, um, I, I think... It it all depends, I think, on on Newcastle and how they how they are in attack. The main issue for them has been just getting the the winning goal. As as easy as it sounds, that's what Fulham have been doing really well with Mitrovic. Mm. He he just when you need that that winning goal and just to hold on, that's what Newcastle are struggling with. I mean, five draws. Um, but defensively, they are really good. I mean, the the only game they lost was to Liverpool. Mm. So, if anybody is to sort of stop this Fulham team at the moment defensively, I think it in the middle pack it could be Newcastle. Um, but then I I just don't see unless Isak somehow quickly gets into this team, can't see Newcastle scoring too many. Mm. So I'd probably go for for a draw for this one. Okay. Uh, three o'clock then is uh, Liverpool versus Brighton in the Mark Lawrence and Derby. Mark Lawrence and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the interview this week because he's been binned off by the BBC after 30 years. Uh, Jesse, he's claimed that the BBC is going woke and he's paying the price of being a 65-year-old white man. Um, are you going to stick up for the old white men that have uh, stolen a living for the last 30 years? You know, I have just been meaning to apologise to all, to, first to the three of you, actually, from my people, um, for taking your jobs, your, um, no, first of all, fuck you, that's bullshit, and it <laughs> takes away from the fact that men have feelings and are often denied the space to talk about them when you say stupid shit like that. It makes us want to flick you in the nose and tell you hashtag yes all men and that's dumb. So, no. I'd love, I'd love to see you flick um, Lawrence on the nose. That would be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 Chris, mm-hmm. you still get your chance to say it? Well, I, oh, I don't think I can because they've got a brand new manager and it's going to be a new manager bounce. And I saw how well he did with Sassuolo. So, Liverpool drew this no. last... 
say it, I think you should you should think about Luis Diaz and how great he's been and um you know just be a role model for us as a as a man or something. Well, I went for a health check yesterday and they told me I have excess visceral fat uh on my front. So as unhealthy as that is, the last thing I'll be doing is sticking my chest out. So I'm definitely not going to say it this week. I'm proud of you for getting a health check. That's healthy. And all men should get their health checked and talk about their mental and emotional health as well. Andy, I did this. You're the same age as me. You should definitely do this. Mine, mine was free at work. So I guess you might be a little bit different. But it's well worth getting yourself MOT. It, uh, as, it, is, it is something I should probably consider doing. You know, being a, a middle-aged West of Scotland, or I, I, you know, I'm already losing the health lottery. So... You, you must know, be, I probably should do something about that. You must be one of the oldest men in Scotland, given the uh, lifestyle of people up there. Uh, 45, I, I reckon I'm, I, I'm definitely closer to pension age than than anything else at the moment. But, um, guys walk I, in the locks and among the heather? Uh, th- that kind of thing doesn't exist in the part of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying there, Jesse. <laughs> Uh, how do we feel about this um, this Liverpool game? Liverpool drew this last season after being 2-0 up. Uh, Brighton won 3 out of 4, but of course that was pre-Deserby. Uh, Liverpool got 7 out of their last 9 points. They drew 0-0 against Everton last time. Does anyone feel uh, there's going to be a new manager bounce for Brighton or are Liverpool going to continue that good form of theirs? I mean, I think you're right. I think uh, Deserby's uh, did a, a, a pretty excellent job at Sassuolo. Mm. Um he took them from, you know, an unfashionable regional, regional, you know, second division side, and now they're very firmly ensconced in top eight and in Serie A. So, you know, he played a part in that. So he's clearly a very good coach. You're, I guess the the issue they potentially face is that you know Potter had built a system there. You know, players that very much fit that system, and if. Deserbury comes in with different ideas how quickly are they going to take to those ideas so yeah I would expect Liverpool to, to sneak this one but uh, yeah I've got confidence that Deserbury will will get it right sooner rather than later Alright Jesse and uh, Jared how do you feel this one's going to go? Uh, I think with, with Liverpool at home they should um, they should they should have this one but you, you said that Liverpool are on a, a good run of form I did. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether I don't know whether they are. Go on. Just, I mean, you've had the Champions League as the two most recent games. Oh yes. And one of them is a a loss to Napoli, and then the game before that was a draw to Everton. This is true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether I I sort of feel as if Liverpool, you don't know whether they are in a good run of form, or they're just sort of pulling out results even with bad bad performances I, I, I don't know I don't know sort of where this Liverpool team is at and maybe this will, will tell us right, someone's not getting a uh, Christmas present this year um, right let's move on to um, <laughs> three o'clock also Southampton versus Everton James Beattie derby uh, Southampton lost three out of their last four Southampton are 14th on seven points Everton are 13th also on seven points um, West uh, Everton beat West Ham last time, but drew the previous four. Uh, I'm going for last on match of the day on this one, guys. Yeah, Everton are. Uh, uh, I've done very well to hide my disdain for Frank Lampard, <laughs> but 
but it does feel like Everton are probably in slightly better form at the moment than Southampton. Southampton are a worry for Hassan Hootle mm-hmm. um, at this point, I think. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, if anyone's going to win this one, it'll be Everton, but I'm same as you. It'll probably end up being a, a single goal, if any. Just you wait till next season. Postacoglu's gone somewhere different and Lampard got sacked by Everton and then he's the new Celtic manager. As long, be as, he's not, as long as he's not the new Rangers manager, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Fair enough. Uh, Jared and Jesse. too shocking is it I mean they've got to give him some time I don't feel that there's an awful lot of pressure on him Frank Lampard does anybody like him Christine Lampard does that's his wife <laughs> no I haven't even talked to her about it but I doubt she does do you not know think um, I can't think yeah. of anybody else oh sorry he seems so unhappy he seems he, he does seem quite unhappy doesn't he um, will he be happy at uh, 10 to 5 on Saturday afternoon? I could actually say, agree with Andy, I think I could see this being just a very boring slog and I could see Southampton taking this one. Okay. Yeah. Jared? Yeah, I think I'd probably be last on, on match of the day and uh, I'd probably tip Everton to win this one. Yeah. Uh, and what about half past five then? West Ham versus Wolves in the Matt Jarvis derby. So this is 17th versus 18th. So West Ham is 17th on four points. Wolves are... Uh, oh, that can't be right. I've written something down here. I've written West Ham... Se- bad thing. Tell us. Tell us what your handwriting says. Okay, my handwriting says West Ham are 17th on four points and Wolves are 18th on six points. That's not yeah, right, surely. Just, you've just... The places are wrong. The points, <laughs> are, the points are right. Oh, it's easily done. Um, I can't be professional the whole time. Uh, both of them won one out of their last five, so neither of these teams are particularly in form. So maybe this could be last time match of the day. I don't know. But um, what are we? Uh, what are we going for for this one, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd favoured both teams to do better than they have been so far. Again, in terms of the, the season itself, I guess it's still relatively early days. I expect that West Ham will solidify um wolves wolves are wolves are another one of those teams where i'm not entirely sure what you're going to get from week to week so again this is a real toss-up is this this is a west ham is it it is yeah yeah i'll, I'll go west ham by the odd goal just for that reason that they're at home okay um Jesse, Andy says that West uh, that Wolves are like a box of chocolates um, and that you never know what you're going to get. Diego Costa could be playing tomorrow afternoon. What sort of chocolate would Diego Costa be? That's an incredible question. Um, Diego Costa would be the kind that looks like innocuous and, and just like milk chocolate on the inside, but somebody decided that they were going to be like you know, fancy pants chefy and put like jalapeno Earl Grey mm-hmm. on the inside. So you took a bite and you were like, what the actual fuck is happening? 
<laughs> that sounds quite appropriate. Um, right, let's move on to Sunday then. It is two o'clock. It's the Manchester derby. Um, two o'clock on Sky. This is the Alfie Inga Harland knees derby. Um, Manchester City are second place with 17 points. United are fifth in 12. Uh, United have won their last four, um, whereas City won three out of four. Uh, they beat Wolves last time. Um, Arsenal, uh, they uh, sorry, Manchester United beat Arsenal three one last time. Um, City averaged 3.29 goals a game thanks to uh, Erling Haaland. Um, Ed on the Manchester United, uh, no question about that podcast, called in the um, the uh, the Drago, even Drago of uh, Premier League football, which is quite appropriate. Um, how do there's no Harry Maguire, which means that United are going to actually have to sort of have a competent defence, I guess, of Varane and Lissandro. Um, is that going to be enough to stop him, Jared? I'm scared for Martinez <laughs> at the back. Are you? Yeah, especially against Harlan. Like you've seen him holding off like some of the strongest players in the league, and then uh, his only chance is if he hits him in the face or something, like accidentally. Uh, accidentally, I... he's South American. He's not going to hit him accidentally in the face. <laughs> Sorry, guess. No, <laughs> I, I, no. I mean Harlan, like when he puts his arm out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, come on, Gary. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's going to be um, touch and go with the United defence because Haaland's going to obviously aim for the, the weaker centre-back and then if Varane's got to cover that, it's going to it might open up a lot of space but then I, I think Man United in attack, they have the speed to um, exploit the Man City defence on the on the turnover so mm. I, I, can, I could see this either being a whitewash or just a super high score in Derby. Fair enough. Sorry, Jesse. I, I was a bit mean to you there. Go on, you, you come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got back on mute. Okay, fair enough. Andy, the Ivan Drago football, is that a fair comment about Erling Haaland? It absolutely is. You know, I'd, I'd go further at this point if it kind of feels like Thanos he's inevitable <laughs> there's, just, there's no way I don't see a defender in the world who can stop him it, it would rely on an entire system to stop him and we, we know that that can happen he, he doesn't move from the width of the six yard box we know that so I'm sure there are ways to, to stop him but Man United under the team to do that Um I will say I'm, I'm, I agree with Jared in terms of that. I think that United have got the pace to, to worry uh, City, particularly on the break. I'm very curious. I think João Cancelo is like probably the most complete footballer in the world at the moment. But given that he will probably spend quite a lot of time on the front foot, is there the potential there for Anthony to exploit some of that space in behind him? Possibly. Um, but I'm more inclined to go City comfortably by a couple. Is there danger of United maybe over-focusing on Haaland and then um, somebody else sneaking in and getting a goal or two? So, so the, the the funny thing, uh, the thing that nobody's talking about, I think, when it comes to Erling Haaland, isn't just the fact that he's scoring goals, it's that he's probably re-established Kevin De Bruyne as the best attacking midfielder in world football. Yeah. Because De Bruyne has been sensational 
and has gone completely under the radar because Haaland scores every game. But if you look at the stats, you'll see how much of that is down to De Bruyne either directly assisting or, you know, creating the space for and drawing people away from Haaland. So, yeah, City have got, City have got threats all over the, the pitch to, to score that. So, yeah, you're right. If they, if they focus entirely on trying to stop Haaland, City have got at least three or four more players who can who can really punish them for that. Okay, uh, half past four on Sky is Leeds versus Aston Villa, the Julian Jojim derby. Um, Aston Villa won three 0 last season, which I think, from what I remember, was Jesse Marsh's first game. Uh, Leeds haven't won since the twenty first of August, since they beat Chelsea three 0 They lost five two to Brentford last time out. Um, Villa had lost their last three, uh, but they got four points out of their last two games, including a draw versus City. Jesse, how is your namesake going to get on for Leeds United? Um, I forgot that he was still there. Um, I actually, you know what? I think they have a solid shot here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's less about him and more that the team is finding their, finding their footing as a, as a team at this point. Okay, uh, Jared. I want to say nice things for Ross. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's another one where it's it's tough to call. I think Leeds might win this one, just just because they um, they sort of seem to have found an all right rhythm. I mean, Aston Villa did win, but it's against Southampton, and it was only by one goal where Leeds. You feel if someone was to, to snatch a goal, it could be Leeds. So I'm going to go for Leeds. All right. Andy, how is uh, Rangers legend uh, Gary McAllister going to get on this weekend? <laughs> um, I'm actually really looking forward to this one. I think this could be a high-scoring game, mainly because I don't trust either team's defence. <laughs> and um, I expect Leeds in front of home fans might just nick this one we've spoken at length about my concerns about Steven Gerrard as a a coach when his team goes behind so if Leeds can get on top early in this one I think they'll probably nick it uh, by the I'll go the odd goal in five okay uh, and finally game of the weekend is on Monday night it's the East Midlands derby as um Leicester take on Nottingham Forest. It's the uh, Ricky Skinnaker, Alan Rogers, Stan Collymore, John Curtis, Matty Fryer, Franz Carr, Gary Parker, Peter Shilton, Phil Gilchrist, Derby. There's plenty of others. Um, you can try and stick your name on the, some of those there. Uh, Forest have lost their last four. Leicester have lost at least their last five. That was as far back as the uh, the website I was looking at went, unfortunately. They're conceding an average of 3.14 goals a game. Forest conceding an average of 2.43. So... Uh, if you've got your forwards uh, um, on the side, and maybe if you're a Jamie Vardy that gets yourself up for local derbies such as these, you can get yourself at the opposition goalkeepers. Um, Jared, what do you reckon? I think this is a this is a must win for Leicester. I, I know Brendan Rodgers has said that the ownership back him, but if they lose to to Nottingham Forest, I I do fear for for his job. Mm. Bottom of the bottom of the table Nottingham Forest if you'd seen before even last week or now you, you, you must be beating Nottingham Forest if you want a, a good chance of staying up mm. and to go then uh, six points behind them who you'd expect 
would have been bottom of the table. It, it's it's definitely a must win for for Leicester, and I, I hope it is just just then we got a few more teams, and I like I like to see everyone at the bottom like having a good chance, and Leicester have a lot of good players in their team. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Andy, your um, previous friend and neighbour, Brendan, how do you uh, reckon he's going to get on this weekend? So I agree with Jared. I think Leicester's, at least they're starting 11, probably their, their first 13, 14 players are better than at least eight, nine teams in the Premier League. Mm. So I'm, I'm kind of inclined to agree with Jared. I feel like this is must win. Because at some point, I, I mean, I think there's just a, a kind of real aura of, of negativity around Brendan Rodgers at the moment, which is obviously being fueled by the lack of transfer activity through no fault of his own. But if he's as good a coach as he himself likes to claim, with the squad he's got, it should still be good enough to get them higher up the table. So I think the fact that it's a must-win game means they probably do. But if Forrest do kind of find a bit of form and win this one, I think this will probably end up being Rogers' last game in charge. He could throw Kettle over a pub, couldn't he? Uh, I don't know. I feel like he would much rather kind of pass it around the pub, you <laughs> yeah. know, just kind of work his way around it, you know, slowly with a lot of sideways passes rather than chuck it over the top like that. So That's he true. would get it there eventually. But it would just take him about ten times longer than it would take a normal person. <laughs> Jesse, can you throw a kettle over a pub? I have never tried, but now I feel like I should just to be able to answer this question. <laughs> I think you could. And I feel like I have, you know, there there are factors to be taken into place. Like, you know, is it an electric kettle? How, what's it made out of? How short is the pub? Like, we should all, for science, mm-hmm. we should all stand in front of the pub with different kinds of kettles. It's a fair test. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, how do you think this game's going to go on Monday night then? I agree with Jared and Andy. How's that? Oh, that's very nice. Well, we'll end on that note, shall we? Of, of equilibrium and uh, consensus, shall we? <laughs> We've reached consensus. Yeah, let's do that. There's not enough consensus in the world, so we'll uh, we'll end on that note. Right. So, has anyone got any other business at all? Just very quickly to go back to Atletico Madrid, I just want to give a quick shout out to Koke, who I think if he plays this weekend will become Atleti's all-time appearance leader, mm-hmm. which is which is a which is a hell of an achievement. Um, so yeah, well done to him if he does. So he's been excellent there for for over a decade at this point. So yeah, just wanted to flag that. Oh, marvelous! Well, well done to uh, to Koke if he plays. Uh, right. Okay. So. Um... Hopefully, with any luck, uh, Ali and Carl Stroke Simon and Dave will be back uh, at the end of the weekend or on uh, Monday to review the games that we've been previewing here. We're Man of the Post, part of the Man of the Post Network. You can find us on Facebook and give us a like on there. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Man of the Post. Um, you can find us on all your podcast platforms of choice, so Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, uh, Acast, all the others. You can press follow and um, subscribe and all your future episodes will fall automatically into your inbox we appreciate any good reviews that we can get from you because that bumps us up the high the uh, iTunes chart uh, Jared if people want to follow you how can they do that at Gazenda SA so that's G-U-Z-E-N-D-A 
Okay, uh, Jesse Loesch, how do they follow you? I think I'm at C. Etchingham 77. I don't think you are. I think you're at Jesse Loesch, I think. <laughs> you're yes, e which are... Go on. Which, which are you? I'm at Jesse Loesch. Okay, doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Uh, they can find me at Said Tyson. Marvellous. Right, guys, uh, thank you ever so much for joining us. There we go. And always remember to keep your man on the post. Thank you.